Holy Father, I just pray right now that you use Adam as a vessel for your work. Holy Spirit, I pray that you, you would just speak through him. Holy Spirit, guide his words, guide his heart, wherever you want to take us. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you unpack your word well. We pray this morning in your holy name. Amen. Amen. Uh, can I ask you please to open your Bibles at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. <coughs> And uh, just in case you, uh, you haven't been here recently, we've been working our way through the uh, book of Ephesians. And in particular, we've been focusing on chapter 1, verses 3 to 14. But this morning, I'm going to read verses 11 to 14, as we're kind of coming towards, really, the uh, uh, end of um, uh, this particular section. So, Ephesians 1, 11 to 14. In him, we have a... a, a Obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. <clears throat> in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Now, you would have thought, with all the study that we've done of the verses 3 to 14, we would sort of be coming towards the end uh, of this little verse, you know, this little section. And Paul would sort of begin to sort of tail it off and say, really, I've said all the important things at the beginning and, and I'm coming towards the end. So I'm just sort of going to say some niceties now, but really all the significant stuff has been said. No, no, not a bit of it. <laughs> not a bit of it. This, these verses just keep on giving, yeah. keep on giving some amazing stuff. Christians, these verses are really important for us. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are so many things. We, the, the, the riches that we could look at this morning, there were so many things I was really weighing up in my mind. Golly, which way do I go? Well, yeah. We could have, for example, looked at this, the whole thing of the inheritance that we have received. Wouldn't it be good to spend the morning studying that? Yeah. The inheritance you've been given, if you're a believer today, you have been given an inheritance. Yeah. It is now yours, partly. And it's yours. So what is that? How does it work? Why did God do it that way? So many questions we could ask just around that one. Boy, that would be a good morning. Or we could have looked at this. We could have looked at that a, a, a section that the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will kind of points to this big plan. Do you remember us looking at the big plan of God? Yeah. Yeah. We said that God had formed this incredible plan that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit before the foundation of the earth, before any of us were a twinkle in our parents' eye, he had already formed this plan that was going to come to completion when God brings the, uh, all things to the end and the new heaven and the new earth are created and you and I, the Bible says, are going to be there and it's going to be glorious. We could easily have looked at that and we could have then also understood, well, God has a big plan. Did you know he also has a small plan for you? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Where's that from? Jeremiah. Jeremiah, yeah. God has plans for you as an individual. Did you know that? The Bible actually says that in that time before the foundation of the earth, God 
predestined certain things for you to do. God has got a plan for things for you. Yeah. No one else, just you to do. And we could easily have spent the morning looking at that saying, how are we doing with that plan? Mm. Have we, are we, are we doing the things that God wants us to do? Or have we kind of side, been sidetracked onto other things? That would have been a good morning, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah good morning. Yes. Well, I think it would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what about, this phrase has also been on my mind. In him you also. That's a great phrase. You know, there are many times when Christians come to me and say, well, have I lost my salvation? Or uh, why am I a sort of second-class Christian? Have other Christians been given more than me? No! It's a very simple answer. No! In him you also were included. You were not excluded in any way. When you believed, you were thoroughly included because of his work. Yeah. Not because of how well you were doing. Yes. And with all due respect, it's not up to you yeah. what you get. Yeah. It's up to him. Yeah. And he has said, no, in him you also yeah. were included. Amen. I thought, whoa, what a great morning that would be to yeah. encourage people yeah. to be assured of their salvation, to be assured that they have received everything that Christ wants them to receive. Amen. That would have been a good morning. Yeah, it would have been. Would have been. It, it would have been. been. So I was thinking, well, yeah, maybe I could do that. Or what about this one? What about, <laughs> you see about the embarrassment of the riches here. Amen. We've got to look at this thing. When you became a Christian, God says you were sealed. Yeah. You got sealed. <laughs> when you became a Christian, that is what happened to you. You may not have noticed it, but it did. Yeah. It happened. This is very, very important. John Stott says in his commentary, it's a mark of ownership, yeah. of authenticity. Yeah. And we see from this scripture here that it guarantees our inheritance yeah. in some way. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I hope you're intrigued. Yeah. I hope I'm doing a bit of a David Attenborough on you. Yeah. Oh, look at this. Yeah. Absolutely remarkable. Good impression. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. I kind of, but I want you to look at the word of God and say, wow, what is that? Yeah. yeah. I want you to be intrigued. I want you to go away from this saying, what was he talking about? What does that mean? Because I'm not going to tell you fully this morning. So it's up to you. I want you to go away. Open your Bibles. Read it. This being sealed thing is important. Mm. Yes. But you're going to have to find out what it is. So you can see, I'm thinking, wow, there's so many things in there we could look at this morning. But you know, As I was reading it, I realised there is something that's even more important, I believe, than all four of those things. And they are all important things. In uh, verses 12 and 14, Paul says this. He says, to the praise of his glory. Yeah. And he says it again, verse 14, to the praise of his glory. You know, all these blessings that we've been studying, that God has been pouring on us from 3 to 14, incredible blessings, are meant to result in something. They're meant to result in us praising God for what he has done. And very specifically, as far as Paul is concerned, he says it's meant to result in, in us praising God for his glory. For his glory. So this morning, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take a look 
at the glory of God. Mm. Now, uh, I was uh, came to this conclusion halfway through this week, and I was in my office on my own, and I said it out loud. <clears throat> I said, oh, okay, so I'll be looking at the glory of God then this week. And I said it, you know, out loud. I often speak to myself. I do, it's just a thing. And I said it out loud, and as I said it, my room became silent. It was like a stillness that came over the room. And I thought, oh, hey, 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 this, this is him. Like his presence, sudden, instantaneously, filled my room. And it was, uh, he didn't say anything, but it was just like, what I felt was this, just watch what you're touching now. Amen. Just, just tread lightly with this one. Yeah. You know, there's very good evidence to suggest John Stott does a very, um, uh, John Piper does a very good thing on this way. He said, actually, the glory of God is very closely linked to the holiness of God. Yeah. So you're touching something that's holy. And I realized as I was, I said this and felt this presence of God, I was holding my breath. And I thought, oh, I've got to breathe now. And then I have to get up and pace around. You know, when the Bible talks about the glory of God in Scripture, there are some remarkable things. There's a time when uh, Moses, he often goes to a place called the Tent of Meeting to pray. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The Tent of Meeting. And often people will go there to pray. And he often has encounters with God there. There's a time when it says, Moses went to the Tent of Meeting, but the glory of the Lord had filled the tent and he could not go in. I don't think it means he was just showing a bit of respect. It, what it means is he couldn't physically get in. There's another time when that happens, when the temple, the first temple under Solomon, has been built, it's been commissioned, and it says the glory of the Lord filled the temple and the priests could not physically get into the building. You, you stop and think, whoa, 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 whoa wait, wait a minute. What, what is this thing? This presence of God, this glory of God. What's going on there? You know, you think of, um, think of other examples. You think of the transfiguration. So Peter, James, and John have gone for a nice stroll up a hill with Jesus. Oh, this would be nice. And suddenly Jesus is transfigured in front of them. And it says his clothes became dazzling white. And there is this cloud that descends on them. And they are what? Terrified. Absolutely terrified. Peter goes into babbly mouth. He starts because he's nervous and he talks, obviously, Peter, when he's nervous. And he just goes into... Let's build a little house here, he says. Let's build a little house. That'd be a nice idea. And for one for Moses and one... And, and it, the Bible, lovely, it just says this. For he did not know what he was saying. <laughs> yeah. The man is terrified and he's just babbling. And think about this. Christmas is coming. We're going to be reading a scripture, aren't we, about some angels appearing to some shepherds. What does it say? What happens when they arrive? It says, the glory of God shone around. Yeah. That's what it says, the glory. So they are reflecting something of God's awesome glory. And those shepherds, in the old, it used to say they were sore afraid. But what it really means is they were petrified. Yeah. And they fell over. And the, ship, and the angel had to reassure them. Glory of God is not a light thing. Mm. 
There's one time when Moses said, God, would you show me your glory? Yeah. And God says this to him, yes, but only a bit. Because if I show you the whole lot, you'll die. The glory of God. The glory of God. No wonder my office went silent. <laughs> So, how do we then study this morning the glory of God? Well, I think there is an Old Testament passage that's really going to help us uh, this morning. And it's the passage actually I've just made reference to, Exodus 34. And this is the time when Moses has just credibly said to God, would you show me your glory? And God, uh, I think amazingly, says, yes, I will. So what is about to happen God is about to reveal what God considers to be his glory to Moses. So what happens in this passage is very important for our understanding of the glory of God. Let's read it together. Exodus 34. The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed by before him, that's Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So what's just happened is that God Almighty has come and he said, I am going to pass you by, Moses, but in order to protect you, I'm going to put you into a little cleft of the rock and I'm going to put my hand over you, otherwise you'll die. And then I'm going to let you see my back, just a glimpse of my back. And all the time that this is happening, this is what God is saying. He's talking about his unpacking his name. So there are two things I think we can say God is showing us about his glory. First one is that we see the physical presence of God. When you see the physical, holy, awesome presence of God, you encounter his glory. But there's another aspect to the glory of God. And it's this, the character of God, or the nature of God, when you encounter that, you encounter the glory of God. Now, I think this is quite important for us to understand what's going on in Ephesians chapter 1. Because Paul, as we know, in, in those first 13, 14 verses, he's getting very excited, isn't he? Paul's getting very, very excited about all these blessings that God gives to us. God blesses you, he makes you holy and blameless. And he's almost breathless, isn't he, with excitement. But the other thing you notice about that passage, he's not just excited about the blessings, he's excited about the character of the God who gives them. So he keeps saying things like this, the riches of his grace. He then says, the love of God, in love he predestined you. It's his love. And then when he says you have been called holy and blameless, what he's saying is this, <coughs> His mercy has been poured out on you. So Paul, when he's been reading this, is excited not only about the blessings, but about God, yeah. the character of God. 
Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. And how does he end up this passage? He says, to the praise of his glory. He's seen the character of God. And his conclusion is, you're glorious. Where do we see that? I think we see it in Exodus 34. God has demonstrated his glory through his presence and his character. Well, I thought that was interesting. Now, why is that interesting to us? I mean, sort of interesting. Well, who here has never had an encounter with God's physical presence? Probably quite a lot of us. And it's, it's, it's wonderful but slightly irritating when people say, oh, I had this incredible experience. I have a very good friend, a guy called Dave Shapold, some of you know, he's a prophetic guy. He uh, became a Christian in 1985, and his um, story is this. He, uh, he had had a, shall I say, colourful background until that point, and he was in church, and he was staring at the screen where the words went up for the songs. And he said, all of a sudden, they went white. The screen went white. And then he noticed everything had gone white. And there didn't seem to be anybody sitting there. And he was in this, he said, it's an environment of bright white purity. And he felt so dirty. That's his own. He felt so dirty, yet this was so bright and white and clean and glorious. And then he said, but God, I, 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 just, I need to be right before you, or something like that. And God said, okay then. And he felt this white brightness come into him, and he knew he was clean. Mm. He repented of his sin. <laughs> God came and said, I will clean you up. He said, but it was this awesome experience. Yeah. And then after that happened, I think it was there, he felt for quite a long while. Eventually, somebody comes around, and people are back in there. They're sitting in their seats, and he can see the screen again with the words on now, that's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Proper encounter with God. But it is slightly annoying mm. when you haven't had it. You think, I've not had that. How many of you could say, I've not had that experience like that? Yeah, yeah, plenty of us. Let me put it a different way, though. How many of you here would say, you have known the forgiveness of God? Mm. Yeah. yeah. How many of you would say you were praying once and you just knew God come and just somehow put his arms around you and you felt his love? Yeah. How many of you would say you've known his provision financially? Yes. Or maybe his protection or his mercy to you? Yes. Can I just say that is an expression of the glory of God? Yeah. So you have encountered the glory of God. Yeah, I mean, these things are wonderful, but it's his character as well as his presence, I believe, are full of the glory of God. Yeah. Now, uh, if you do a study on glory, it's a great study to do, by the way, and I would really recommend it. One of the things you will notice in all the references that come up is that we, as Christians, are urged to give glory to God. We are... It doesn't seem to be an option. As Christians, there is an expectation that that is what we will do. We will give glory to God. But if you think about that, just a, this glorious God who we've just been looking at, how do, how do we do that? Yeah. How can I and you 
humans give glory to God. It just seems an extraordinary thing. Well, the Psalms really helps us in that. It says this. In fact, we see that being modelled, don't we, by the angels when they arrive? Yeah. What's the first thing they say? Glory to God in the highest. So immediately when they arrive, what they start doing is giving glory to God. How do we give glory to God? The Psalms help us. It says this, ascribe to the Lord the glory due to his name. Worth observing. There is glory due to God. Full stop. So we come, not quite with a debt, but almost with a debt to say, we, we, need, we owe you glory. Yeah. I have to say, when I thought about, prayed often about Seven Oaks, my gut feeling, I think I've said this before, my gut feeling about Seven Oaks, it, it has as a town not yet given God enough glory. The town needs to give more glory to God. That's my, my gut feeling. So we're told to ascribe glory to God. We're told to sing the glory of God. Mm. So when we worship this morning, what we're doing is we're giving glory to God. We're, we're glorifying him. Yeah. And then the last one here, it says, declare his glory among the nations. So I think we can say two things there. Sharing the gospel gives glory to God. And secondly, it says this. It says, declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous works among all the peoples. One of the things that Jesus has been staring us up with is testimony. When God has done something in your life, when he's provided for you, when he's answered a prayer, that is an opportunity for you now to give glory to God. And you can do that by coming here and telling people what God has done. We're talking about his marvellous works. So testimony, when people give testimony, what they're doing is giving glory to God. So I want to encourage you, don't let God miss out on the glory that's due his name because of what he's done in your life. Be eager to share it. And I just want to get through any Seven Oaks thing going on here. It is not being full of yourself to share. It's not showing off. No, no, what you are doing is giving glory to God because it's not you who's done this thing anyway. It's him. So be eager to share. Be eager to give him the glory that's due to his name. Last one here, 1 Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So really, you can do anything to the glory of God. You can drive your car to the glory of God. Yeah, that means not cutting him up so often. You can eat or drink with great gratitude in your heart. Just say, God, thank you. Whatever you do, serving here, putting chairs away here, going to work, you can glorify God in that. So let everything that we do glorify God. Yeah, amen. You know, we are created to give glory to God. This is what it says in Isaiah 43. Everyone who is called by my name, whom I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. You were made to give glory to God. 
You might be asking, what is the point of my life? That is the point of your life, yeah. to give glory to God. And if we aren't giving glory to God, we're missing out on the very thing that we're designed to do. Yeah. You're probably quite a grumbly person if you're not giving glory to God, yeah. because you're missing out on what you should be doing. And then lastly, Isaiah 60 says this, For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will arise upon you, as he has with us, and his glory will be seen upon you. Yeah. God desires us, his glory, to be seen on us and in us. He desires that when you meet other people, they will say, there's something about that person. Why? Because his presence is on us. Something of his glory is here. We're going to break bread this morning. And um, I'm just going to read a scripture over you, last one really. Now we're going to break bread because Jesus told us to, didn't he? Yeah. He said, do this in remembrance of me. So we're going to do it out of obedience today. We're going to remember Jesus. And of course, we take the wine, which is a symbol of his blood. And we're going to take the bread, which is a symbol of his body. And we know that his body was broken on the cross. And his blood was shed on the cross so that we could be forgiven. Yeah. I want to say to you, if you're someone here who has not understood that, not believed in Jesus Christ, you can today. Mm. I'd love to speak to you afterwards yeah. so that you can uh, yeah. understand what it is to be a Christian. Yeah. Hebrews 1 says this, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God. And he is the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Mm. And after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. We've been studying Ephesians. We know that you, he is in the heavenly places. And right now, you and I are in him, and we are also in the heavenly places. Yeah? Yeah. 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 I'd like us to come forward. I'd like us to take the bread and the wine. And actually... What I'd like us to do is I'd like you to glorify God as you take it. You, you might want to say something. You might want to pray something. You might want to share something with the person next to you. So subscribe or sing or declare. So on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So we'll eat it together now. And then he took the wine and he poured it and he said, this is my blood shed for you. And we're going to do this in remembrance of him also. Let's drink it together. So Lord, right now, we just want to glorify you. We thank you that you are the God of glory. Yet you came as a servant to serve us. Yet your true nature is your glorious and we just worship you and honour you today. Yes.
Lord Jesus, thank you for this amazing salvation. Yes. Father, thank you that you were willing to send your son and he came and died. And thank you that he rose again. Lord, the promise of what is to come for us, we also will rise again one day and we will live with you eternally. We just thank you for the symbol of this meal. Thank you, we do it in obedience to you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Chris, where are you? Do you want to come and share it? Yeah. Got the mic. Hi, you know those times where God speaks to you and then you go to the meeting and you think, I should have said that. Well, this morning, while we, I was worshipping, I was asking God, is there anything you, you want me to bring this morning or anything? And, uh, and then I never thought about it again. But during my worship time, I suddenly found myself singing these words. And I think they're very significant to what God wants to really put in our hearts this morning. And I wrote down, this is, this is the song. This is our highest calling to glorify the Lord. This is our highest calling to glorify the Lord. To give him the praise that he is due for all he's done for me, for you. This is our highest calling above all else. For he loved us and he chose us and he gave his life for us, sealed us with his spirit and drawn us to himself. This is our highest calling. To give him the glory, Jesus, his name. Amen. 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 Amen.